and welcome back to SEMA's podcast, Y'all Ready for This, where we talk about all things emergency preparedness to make sure that you and your family are ready for any type of natural or man-made disaster right here in Chatham County. This week, my co-host is the fabulous Jada Kossi, our SEMA Vista. Jada, thanks for being here. Hello, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And you guys have seen her before. You've heard her, her, whoop, heard her voice before. And it is Lee Harold with Chatham County's Occupational Safety, Risk Management, and Disability Services. My goodness, Lee, that is a mouthful. Welcome. Thank you. You see why I'm getting all tripped up on my words before we even get started this morning, listeners. It's going to be an awesome time. Stay tuned. I promise we'll get it all together. Lee, we are talking today about heat safety. It is hot outside. It is hot in the state of Georgia, I feel like, all the time. And it's not only hot, but it is just humid, and it just gets you. So we're going to talk about how you can better prepare and understand some of the risks associated with heat exhaustion and heat stroke. So Lee, let's go ahead and get started. Let's talk definitions first so everybody's on the same playing field. Can you talk about heat exhaustion and heat stroke, and what are some warning signs that you may need to be looking for? Sure. Heat stroke and heat exhaustion are very serious conditions. Um, they do look similar and, and they have different effects on our body. So heat exhaustion just means that your body's struggling to pump the blood through your body to cool you down. Heat stroke, though, is when your body temperature gets so high that your tissues and your organs just get overheated. So about 103 to 104 degrees. They have some very similar signs and symptoms. Um, heat exhaustion is going to have heavy sweating, cool, pale, clammy skin, muscle cramps, tiredness, you know, weakness and dizziness, and you could pass out. The signs of heat stroke, though, are hot, red, dry skin. Now, if somebody's been working out and exercising or working out in the field, their, their skin may be a little damp, but they have quit sweating, basically. They'll be dizzy, um, maybe have a little nausea, some confusion, and they will pass out. I think the biggest difference between the two is going to be your pulse rate. So with heat exhaustion and heat stroke, you're going to have a very fast pulse. But if you're suffering from heat exhaustion, that pulse is going to be very weak. So it'll, it'll probably be a little hard to detect. With heat, heat stroke, your pulse is going to be fast and hard because your, your body is trying to cool itself. And if you just don't treat heat stroke, it can be fatal. It can cause brain damage, heart damage, kidney and muscle damage. So we do, heat stroke is a 911 emergency. Okay, so when are people at the greatest risk of heat exhaustion and heat stroke? That's a great question, Jada. So um, there's a combination of factors that we look at when we start determining the risk for heat illness and uh, temperatures here. The temperature, the relative humidity, air movement, um, how long a person is going to have to be outside their workload we have to even look at personal protective equipment and clothing that an employee might have to wear outside uh, when we start looking at high heat. When we experience high heat days, our risk for heat illness goes up. And so we have to be clear on the definition of a high heat day. So here at Chatham County for safety, 
we use the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA. We use their definition of high heat day, which means the temperature is above 95, so 95 or above. Um, but, you know, the relative humidity that we have down here in Savannah affects us because our sweat, it's a way to cool our body, but when it's really humid outside, our sweat doesn't evaporate. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to impair our ability to cool down naturally. So a high heat day combined with high relative humidity can get us in trouble. Yikes, that does not sound super fun or very appealing. Uh, but you know, one of the reasons that we're talking about it today is so that people are a little bit more aware. I mean, a lot of times people think summer and exciting and I'm gonna go outside and play or I'm gonna do some work outside because you know my wife really wants me to do this or you know I really wanna work on this project. And, People just don't think about it, I think. So what happens to the body when it's exposed to this extreme heat for an extended period of time, Lee? Well, our bodies are, are pretty efficient about getting rid of the heat through sweat and blood flow. Our bodies naturally try to dissipate that heat and they'll cool down when we reduce our activity. You know, we slow down or we come inside, we get into a cool location for a little period of time. But when it gets really hot outside, we have to be careful because our bodies lose that ability to dissipate that heat. And then we start to experience things like thirst and we get irritable maybe. Uh, we'll have heat cramps and even develop heat rash. And so, you know, those things are the early warning signs of a heat illness, and uh, they could lead to heat exhaustion and heat stroke. But our body temperature just gets so hot, and then our body loses that natural ability to dissipate that heat. We just keep, the, the heat just keeps increasing our body temperature, and that's when we can get sick. So now my next question would be, who is at the greatest risk? of any heat-related illnesses? Yeah, we do have uh, certain populations that may have more risk than others. We certainly need to check on our infants and small children, uh, people ages 65 and older, anyone who has uh, pre-existing medical conditions, especially heart disease, high blood pressure, obesity, because heat illness is going to put a really big strain on the cardiovascular system. Um, so we recommend checking on your older family members or your family members who have medical conditions. Try to check on them a couple of times a day uh, during the really extreme periods of heat and just watch them for any signs of, of heat exhaustion or heat stroke. And of course, your infants and children, we have to, we have to watch them a little bit more often than than those people. Um, and always, always check your back seat, whether you have your ch children in there or not. Um, you wanna make a habit of every time you get out of that car, you always look in the back seat because we never wanna leave our kids unattended there. Yeah, that's something as a, as a young mom, it absolutely terrifies me. So I'll say to myself constantly, like, check the back seat, check the back seat. And some people have even gone as far as I actually have a mom friend that's done it that leaves one of her shoes in the back seat so that she always remembers to to check it and pick up her shoe. Uh, so it's a fantastic idea uh, to always look in the back seat to make sure that your your 
making making sure that your kids are safe as possible. All right, so let's say we've got either a young kid or uh, maybe an older family member that's starting to show some of these signs of heat stroke or heat exhaustion. What do we do, Lee? Well, if you detect heat exhaustion, um, help them lower their body temperature by having them sip on some cool, not cold, but cool water, uh, move them into the shade or a cooler lo location, and then have them loosen their tight clothing. Um, you can place cool, wet cloths around their body to kind of cool them down, but we want to have them rest so we're not putting a strain on the body while the body's trying to stabilize our temperature. Um, just know that if they start to throw up or um, the symptoms just kind of keep lasting for a while, we probably want to go ahead and call 911 to have an ambulance respond to help you out with cooling them down. Now with heat stroke, the very first thing you need to do if you even suspect heat stroke is call 911 because that is a medical emergency. Um, and while you wait for responders, there are a few things that you can do. You can, you can take cool wet cloths and put them around their neck under their armpits, around the groin area. Um, these are areas that will help them cool their body temperature down. But you can also take a garden hose with cool water. We don't want cold water and we don't want scalding hot water, but take cool water and you can just, you know, put them there in a bath, uh, a cool water bath. The thing to remember with heat stroke is do not give them any water to drink and do not give them anything to eat because with heat stroke, you're going to have an altered state of consciousness. And so if you give them something to eat or drink, that could be very dangerous with swallowing because swallowing gets difficult with that altered uh, state of consciousness. So just the, the biggest things though are recognize when to call 911. I think that would save a lot of lives. Wow, okay. I'm learning a lot that I didn't know. So this is interesting. Um, my next question is, many times people would try to cool themselves down with like an electric fan. How effective are those fans that you see around people's necks or plugged in outside? Oh, those are great. Those are great. I love the little fans that you just kind of clip around and, you know, but we shouldn't, so we shouldn't rely only on electric fans when we're in extreme heat. Um, they do provide us comfort and I love those, but the CDC has, or the Centers for Disease Control kind of has warned us that when temperatures go up into the high 90s, a, a, a fan really doesn't uh, prevent heat illness. It does make us feel a little more comfortable, but that could also create a false sense of security that we're okay, we're not gonna get any kind of heat illness. Research is finding that when we're in really, really hot um, and humid conditions, fans do lower our core body temperature, but, um, and that's gonna reduce the strain on our cardiovascular system trying to cool us down. But in really hot, and dry conditions, um, that fan is gonna, it's gonna increase our temperature. Cause, okay, think of a, com a convection oven. You know, you put a turkey in a convection oven and it just blows hot air around it and then it cooks the turkey. Basically, 
a fan in the hot, dry conditions is going to be just like that convection oven. It's just shifting hot air around the body and it's going to make you feel hotter and put you at greater risk. Oh my, I never even thought about a turkey in the oven, Lee. Like with a fan blowing in this hot, dry heat, you just turn it into a giant turkey. Oh, oh, I, I, I don't think I'll ever forget that. Oh. That's good though. It's good because now you won't forget that and you've learned something to take away with you. So yeah, Yikes. I'm glad. Yikes. Okay, well, let's move on from our, our turkey. Um, it is not Thanksgiving and I don't want to think about it. Um, how can people better protect their health during extreme temperatures like we're going to see over the next couple of months here in Georgia? So try to stay inside, um, especially if you've got pre-existing medical conditions that put you at greater risk for heat illnesses. You know, try to avoid working outside in the middle of the day, the high heat area um, of the daytime you know, try to cut your grass earlier in the morning. I always monitor the National Weather Service. Uh, their website has really good information. And anytime that there's a heat advisory, they'll put that information out. And so that gives you a good idea of maybe when you need to, to get outside and do what you need to do. If you do have to be outside, um, loose clothing that is lightweight, something very lightweight and light in color. Now, I recognize that not everybody has air conditioning. Um, and so if your home isn't equipped to handle those high heat days, then I would try to make some plans to visit a family member who has air conditioning, um, you know, or a friend try to find a location that you can go to, even the library, um, the mall, you know, those, those type of areas. Now, I know in, in extreme heat conditions, uh, sometimes the community set up cooling centers where you can go and sit and cool off because we know that even just 30 minutes of sitting in a cool place can reduce your risk of heat illnesses. So, um, you know, try to try to adjust your schedule a little bit and, and try to stay out of the heat as much as you can. So this next question is one that a lot of people may relate to. What should our listeners um, do if they work in a hot environment on a regular basis? Well, I can tell you what we tell our employees. Stay hydrated. Cool water is best. Um, Sugar-free sports drinks that contain electrolytes are good too, but water, staying hydrated. And we also tell our employees to stay away from caffeine and stay away from alcohol uh, because they tend to reduce our ability to effectively cool our, ourselves. Um, and it can be very dehydrating. So stick to that water. And then take frequent breaks, you know, uh, don't try to push through. We use here in safety, we use the OSHA work rest schedules. So depending on the temperature, the time of day, we may have more break time than other times of the day. So, you know, you might work 
30 minutes and take a break for 10 minutes. Or as it gets hotter, you might work for 20 minutes and then take five minutes and 20 minutes and five minutes. So work rest schedules are really best for people who have to be out there um, and working in the heat. And then I think the most important thing that we share with our employees and we, we go around and do um, safety talks about this is know the signs. Know the signs and symptoms of heat exhaustion. Know the signs and symptoms of, of heat stroke. And, you know, know what to do. Catch it early if you can. Um, things like heat cramps and dehydration. You know, we, we explain to people how to monitor their own bodies for dehydration. Um, I think if you know what your body needs and, and you know when your body needs help, then you can prevent heat illnesses from happening. Wow. Well, Lee, it's always a pleasure having you on our podcast. I always learn a lot. I'm still never going to forget about turning into a giant turkey. And I hope that that's something, maybe, I hope that that's something that our listeners will remember as well, at least remembering that sometimes a fan might not be the best option during that extreme dry heat. Um, always a pleasure though, Lee. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your infinite wisdom with us. Jada, thanks for being my co-host today. Always a rock star. Listeners, be sure to tune in next week when we are going to meet with Randall Matthews in our office, our assistant director, and we're going to talk about how businesses can be resilient and how they can better prepare for hurricane season this year as well. I know we spent a lot of time talking about how residents of Chatham County can be prepared but businesses play a really big role in bringing our economy back and bringing our businesses back after a disaster. So if you know a business owner or you are a business owner, be sure to tune in and we'll see you then. Bye guys.